Welcome to this latest edition of the Maritime Podcast, and I'm delighted to have here today with me Eastern Pacific Shipping Chief Innovation Officer, Klaus Nemzo. We're basically going to be talking about Eastern Pacific Shipping's Accelerator today, which is a really quite exciting project and something that Klaus has been very involved in, and I believe is very close to his heart. So good afternoon, Klaus. Thanks for having me, Marcos. Yeah, indeed, technology and innovation and the accelerator are very close to my heart. Excellent. I think just for a bit of background for our listeners today, could you explain about why EPS set up this accelerator? The accelerator was set up just before I came on board. So I joined EPS back in October 2019. And why it's been done? Because EPS is aiming to be one of the leading innovator in the maritime space. And, you know, the best way to do that is probably through something like an accelerator. I think it would be unrealistic to try to drive innovation purely from within an existing shipping company. So I think it reflects sort of recognition that innovation often happens in small, early stage, you know, startup companies. And the other reason was actually being in Singapore here. There there have been other sort of maritime incubators and accelerators and so forth around, like Pier 71, Port XL and others. But they are often not specifically focused on one shipping company, which means you have, you know, access to multiple. But you're missing a little bit out, you know, what we provide with, with the EPS accelerator is kind of the commitment of one shipping company to the startups that are part of that. So I think that's kind of the reason why accelerator was the right way to do that. You mentioned some of the maritime accelerators, such as Pier 71. You did partner up with Techstars, right? So what was the yes. reason behind that? Well, I think a couple of reasons. One is, you know, if you, if you want to get a jump start on this type of innovation with an accelerator, it just saves you a lot of time and resources to set one up because it's just, you know, difficult. You need to sort of know how to do that. And EPS was not in the position to do that, that, you know, some of the large corporates might think they can do that. But even then, I would argue it's way faster to have a partner that has done that before and text us, you know, turn to turn out to be a great partner for this. So it's really kind of working with an external entity that knows what they're doing to get this jump starter on innovation. What sort of input do Techstars have into what you're doing then? Techstars helps us, I mean, working very closely with them. It's kind of an extended arm as I view it of, of our innovation team. They provide is it starts with the sourcing of potential candidates that would be part of. So we're aiming for sort of 10 startups in each annual cohort. So they're starting with, I think, over a thousand companies to look at. So they're managing that whole process and the selection. And then, you know, we're looking at the last 40 or so. So it's the selection, the global network that they have. So that's another interesting thing to mention. Well, it's, you know, it's with Singapore headquartered and it's a Singapore based accelerator. Even before COVID, we were sourcing the startups globally. So we have companies from literally all over the world, from Singapore, but also from Israel, from the UK, from India, from the US, and so forth. So managing that global network is another big thing that Techstar is, is bringing to the table. Right. So it's very much a global project, not just a sort of Singapore-focused or regionally focused. Yes. The first year we had in those days, seems to be ages ago, you know, a year ago, we actually had uh, all the, the, the startups uh, come to Singapore and work with us here. But then, of course, you know, after COVID started having its impact, we had to move to a full online model, which, you know, actually works quite well as well. In some ways, quite suitable for the sort of things you're looking at, I'm sure. You've got sort of 12 different themes or sort of areas that you're looking to develop startups mm-hmm. in. Could you explain a little bit about why um, EPS has chosen those themes? 
Yes, I think the best way to look at this, they're sort of feeding into three major themes, all the robotics and the various other things that you see there and analytical companies. One is around sustainability. So reducing emissions, luckily that goes hand in hand with higher efficiency. So reducing fuel consumption, you know, goes hand in hand with emissions. So sustainability and then sort of efficiency is, is one major theme. Seafarer welfare is another one. And you see various sort of examples like this year, we have one that is using video analytics to detect potential dangerous situations for seafarers while they're doing the job through video analytics and AI. That's sort of an example of seafarer welfare. And I think the third one is, is kind of resilience, which is particular in, in COVID-19. So things like virtual reality training, contactless interaction, they're sort of falling, I think, into the resilience under, you know, under changing conditions, particularly now with the, uh, the pandemic situation. So those would be, I think, the, the three major themes that I would see. You've got those three major themes. Do you see those changing over time or are they kind of set going forward from year to year? I don't think I see them changing the big themes. I think, you know, we might hopefully find even more interesting technology players in there. But those are sort of long term themes that I think will actually take, you know, years to accomplish. So I don't see sort of the overall themes. I think sustainability, seafarer welfare, you know, for the next you know number of years, I think those will continue to be important topics. You mentioned there, like there's, for example, the crew welfare one relating to sort of the virtual reality being for, for in terms of seeing potential accident situations. Could you perhaps highlight two or three of the projects that you're working on that you see as particularly interesting that have come out of the accelerator? Yeah, there's you know probably most of them I would say, but. You know, some of the ones that are interesting is one is this year, it's a virtual reality. So using VR goggles like Oculus Quest, uh, those types of technologies and a company from Denmark called Kanda, they created a virtual reality based training platform for seafarers. So they can learn about how to do, say, an LNG bunkering process. And those kinds of topics were, you know, literally the hands on component is really important. So that's a great example that was actually, you know, underway way before COVID and now it's, you know, it's not a nice to have, it's almost a must. So virtual reality is one. A couple of others from last year, one is called F-Drones, a Singaporean company. They were the first one that got sort of licenses in Singapore to fly to vessels beyond visual line of sight, which is a big deal or even at night. And they're developing a drone that will deliver a payload of 100 kilogram over 100 kilometers to ships from shore. So that's an interesting one. Another one is called Nautilus Labs from the US, but they also opened up in Singapore. They do high frequency data analysis. So they gather very high frequency data from many different sensors from the ship, like flow meters and torque meters and so forth. And then they use this to optimize engine performance or to optimize route and voyage situations based on weather and, and on the performance of the ship. So that's another one that comes to mind, CyberOwl from the UK. They focus on cybersecurity for ships, which is another really interesting subject. So the more you, you start sort of connecting the ships for all these types of purposes, you know, like high frequency data analysis, the more they become vulnerable to cyber attacks. So you need to think about, you know, what you do in terms of detecting and protecting against cybersecurity threats. And cyber always is an, is an example for that. Maybe last one that comes to mind, I mean, there are many more. We have sort of 18 in both of them. Another one is using augmented reality. So when you're on the vessel, to put on a set of augmented reality goggles. In fact, they're sort of integrated into your hard hat. And that allows you to overlay information like checklists or instructions, how you do certain tasks, maintenance tasks, or even for people on shore 
to either in real time or later see what you're doing. So you have sort of an audit trail, you have literally somebody on shore could be looking over your shoulders through these augmented reality goggles. So augmented reality is another interesting company that called Cero come from, from Singapore. That does sound very interesting, actually. So that's actually integrated yeah. into what they're wearing at the time when they're doing the job. Yes. And then the other interesting thing that you find is sort of synergies between these companies, so particularly with COVID. So you need to bring these augmented reality equipment on board a ship so they can use it there. But these days, of course, as you know, in Singapore and in most ports, people are really reluctant to have people come on board a vessel because you never know what you catch from them, right? So what we're doing is now we're using our drone company, F-Drones, I say our, you know, the, the part of our accelerator, and we are flying that kit to the vessel. So you find really interesting synergies. We have another company from Israel called Sierra. They have a very powerful technology to improve the quality of video taken underwater. And they're going to work with some of our robotics companies that use vision for inspections of the hull uh, below the waterline. So you find really interesting synergies having those companies in the same accelerator and they start talking to each other. They actually find ways so that they can collaborate further. And that's sort of an interesting sort of holistic synergy that comes with it. I must admit, I wouldn't have expected that sort of connection between the AR company and the, the drone one. No, <laughs> in fact, we didn't either. That's sort of how I think innovation happens sometimes, that you know, whether you do it physically or, or virtually doesn't really matter so much, but you bring people together uh, with interesting technology and, and things that they do currently and open minds, which is you know, likely because they're working in the innovation space anyway. And then they come up with new ideas that you, know, you haven't thought about. And that's where the real fun starts for me. <laughs> Obviously, some of these projects are, you know, really actually up and running and certainly in the testing phase if you're not fully using them. Is that correct? Yes, you touch on an interesting point there. The advantage for companies to be in an accelerator working with a company like EPS is not just the mentoring. So they have access to all these subject matter experts. You know, that's fantastic. You know, they get, really get sort of interesting product development guidance and feedback, and, and that's, that's really helpful. But one of the most interesting and hard to get things is access to ships. You have similar thinking, you know, in oil and gas, you can't really sort of, you can't do A-B testing easily on a ship. And, you know, unless you are in the industry, often you can't even imagine how life on a vessel is. And so for a lot of these products, wherever possible, part of the deal of being in the accelerator is that you have access to the ships to do trials. So, you know, with F-drones, you know, with the virtual reality, with the augmented reality, uh, Nautilus, of course, with all of them, we'll give them opportunity to test that on our ships. And that's really helpful in, in, in many different ways. You know, we, of course, we're getting the benefit first. We're also getting to give some feedback and product development for those early stage startups. It's a fantastic sort of asset to have tried their things and proven on trials and on real ships. So that's, that's another important thing. No, I can see that. I mean, I think one of the things when I talk to people about startups and shipping is there sometimes seems to be a bit of a disconnect between sort of the models that some of the startups come with because they don't have a shipping background and I guess the pain points that the shipping industry is looking to solve. I presume that by having the shipping company involved, that bridges that gap somewhat? So the devil's in the details. So if you have, so for example, an augmented reality technology, that is voice activated, that sounds great and in principle and, and is great, but whether that actually works on a ship, you know, is the noise level too high, so the voice recognition no longer works, you know, this augmented reality thing, you know, the first time you walk into, you know, a steel pillar on a ship having, you know, this thing on, that would be the end of, of, of that trial probably. So it's really super helpful for startups to try 
and fine tune the offering under real conditions, you know, temperature wise. It's just sort of often harsh conditions on a ship. And that's fantastic, you know, and we'll really get stuff then at the end of the day that really works on a ship. And the other thing sort of in that is that, you know, all of us are consumers and we can all imagine that, you know, we could, you know, this, this and this, you know, better. And a lot of startup ideas are born from sort of inconvenience as a consumer. But uh, sort of the, the business space, oil and gas, you know, those shipping, those kinds of industry, unless, you know, somebody of your family or you yourself are in that industry, it's really hard to imagine what even the needs are. So that's kind of, you know, these two different worlds in some sense between, you know, the shipping world and, you know, the world of, of innovation and, and high-tech startups. That's something, you know, really powerful. So it's bridging that gap between the two. Yeah, exactly. Visit Seatrade Maritime News at seatrade-maritime.com and sign up to our newsletter to stay informed on what is happening in the world of maritime and shipping. The companies that come into the accelerator, how long are they with you and how does the funding model work? So that typically works. So we're taking applications from sort of April until, I guess, July, August. In September, we finalize the um, cohort. In October through February is typically when the companies are with us. And it's a very intense program. Startups often, they're very used to intense sort of work schedules. But once they have been sort of through what we call mentor madness, you know, the uh, very intense mentoring with literally 150 internal and external mentors. Uh, so that's very intense. And then in February, so this year, February 25th this month is when we have the demo day, as we call it. That's when they all get the opportunity to pitch. So the last piece of the mentoring program is to coach them on how to present their ideas to business partners and most importantly to investors. And in terms of funding, so Textile and EPS puts, you know, a little bit money in. Uh, so we do have, you know, a small equity stake. But most of the funding would come from external investors. And Singapore, of course, has a fantastic sort of venture capital scene. But again, it's a global program. So, you know, a lot of the potential investors come from you know, other places, Israel, UK, US. And, you know, that's where, where people then typically get their funding and having been through the program and really being articulate, you know, how you pitch these ideas, but also being able to point to successful trials on our fleet. Those are sort of additional plus points that the companies get. That's uh, really good. good to get a description of what you do with the companies. The demo day, could you talk a little bit more about what we can expect for that? Yes. So it used to be, of course, that, you know, it was in person and now it's it's a virtual day. You get you know a couple of introductions of Gil, myself, Sriman from Textas, and then you pretty much get pitches from each of the companies. So this year we have nine companies in the accelerator and they pitch what they do, what the advantages are, you know, some of their customer experiences. And then you know the audience would be potential commercial partners or so other shipping companies and you know clearly investors that want to to invest in those companies in the next round. So this is really sort of taking it forward from the accelerator for them to then become more sort of fully-fledged startup companies, I suppose. Exactly, yeah. And that's sort of where, you know, the growth starts. And I mean, companies are in different stages, but typically they're still kind of early stage when they come into the accelerator. And then as the name implies, it really sort of accelerates their growth and their development. Not just with us, but, you know, with, with other commercial global customers. That's the idea. So you've got nine companies going into that demo day on the 25th. Yeah. 
out of those, how many would you expect to sort of see get funding out of this or business partnerships to then go forward to the next stage of what they're doing? So far, I think all of them are in a really good position. Some of them might not need immediate funding, but I think all of them have a chance to get funding and all of them are doing really well so far. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we see certainly these early stage investments, you know, you never get 100% that will succeed. But at this point, I couldn't point to anybody who I think might not succeed. So I think they, you know, they're all really set up really nicely and all in their respective areas. And plus the synergies that I mentioned, I think are really poised to be successful and, you know, we'll, we'll support them in that. And obviously you've done similar demo days in the past, but it was actually a, a physical meeting. Yes, exactly. So in the past, you know, those companies would have come to Singapore and uh, do that physically. But I guess these days we're all used to doing things virtually. And of course, you know, other than the social aspect, and by the way, we do have uh, a couple of the companies are from Singapore. One or two others, or maybe three others even, are in the process. One has already arrived in Singapore, you know, in spite of the, the two weeks quarantine and all that. Singapore is, is a very interesting location in shipping for startups. So not only do we have a few companies that are here, in fact, recently we did some of the numbers. So out of the 18 startups, both from last year and from this year, 50% are either from Singapore or are now based in Singapore with some kind of a physical presence. But, you know, the, the demo day itself and the interaction, you know, we're all used to doing things online now. And it does also have advantages, of course, you know, you, you save the travel time and you can bring in people, you know, being on, on the side of the investor or from the startups, it's easier to bring people together that are not physically in the same space. So it's, you know, it also has advantages. I think as we've all discovered, there are uh, pros and cons to the, 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 the two yes. different ways of doing these things. Yes. So you said that EPS would take some small equity stake, but obviously these are being developed for the wider industry and not just EPS. Is that right? Absolutely. And that's that's a good point because a lot of these technologies, I mean, shipping, as, 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 as you know, is a highly regulated industry. And you know, a lot of the technologies, even if we wanted to be there, there would be no point in having them only work fast. And that's sort of unique, I think, to the industry. A lot of the technologies have to be embraced, endorsed, certified by class societies or other sort of regulatory bodies. That's you know, one point why there would be no point in having it exclusively. But also, I think, philosophically, you know, a lot of these technologies that help with health and safety, for example, that helps, you know, all of the other, you know, our peers in the industry as well. And, you know, anything that is bad, any accident or so, not only reflects badly on one company, it's always, you know, is sort of an issue for the whole industry. So I think we're very happy to uh, to share all of these things with others. And, you know, in fact, peers, competitors, everybody is coming into the, the mentor process. So from the get-go, it's all about open and collaborative innovation. And it also, of course, it helps the startups because, you know, there would be no point in only having EPS as a customer. They're much better off and therefore we are much better off if they work, you know, with, with our peers as well. So there are many reasons why, you know, particularly in shipping, I think you really want to make innovation and those startups open and collaborative and, and not exclusive. Yeah, I mean, collaboration seems to be a very big part of the whole tech startup and accelerator type world. Shipping, perhaps less so. So how do you sort of bridge those two cultures? Shipping sort of tends to be sort of quite privately held. and Yeah, that's true. And I mean, I came from oil and gas, big corporate, BP. And now, you know, in shipping, I think a lot of the companies are family owned. And it's, it's really interesting what you see. Although a company like EPS might not have 
had experience with, you know, an innovation ecosystem and startups before, I was actually amazed how I guess sort of it's it's probably inherent in the in the DNA of of, of seafarers that they have to deal with you know unforeseen situations, be you know improvise and and be innovative. Sort of you know that's the nature of, of I think of shipping perhaps. But I was you know very positively surprised and amazed how um, the people at EPS have engaged with innovation and with the startups. So we had more than forty volunteers internally out of the 200 that are in, in Singapore. And not just that, we had people on sea. We had captains and engineers on vessels volunteer to work with these startups. So that's been absolutely fantastic. And I think sort of, you know, a smaller family-owned company, perhaps as compared to, I mean, UPS is one of the bigger shipping companies, but as compared to, say, large uh, corporate in oil and gas or something, the agility and the speed and the spirit, you know, actually really helps innovation. But that came a little bit as a surprise to me too. And then to some extent, bringing companies and people from outside the maritime industries, myself included, I think also helps to sort of challenge assumptions. Why, you know, just because you've done it this way for the last 200 years, you know, how about, you know, thinking about doing it differently? So that's kind of another thing which is inherent also in this, this you know, the startup accelerator that you do bring in a lot of startups. Some of them come from the, the industry, but, you know, a lot of individuals might be new to the industry and challenge assumptions and bring in new ideas. Those, those are ways, I think, to, to make that happen. That buy-in from the staff and the seafarers is very interesting. I think it sort of challenges that notion that shipping is very conservative and we always just like to do everything the same as we've done it in the past. <laughs> in this case, it's a combination. So obviously, it's endorsed by senior management and the owners, which is fantastic. But it's also, you find a lot of sort of the younger generation, you know, the people that are maybe not as senior in terms of hierarchy, they're the ones really engaging and, and loving that. And, you know, they're, of course, often closest to the actual problems on the vessel or so. It's almost like, you know, everybody was waiting for something like this to happen. They really embrace it. And it's, it's fun to work with everybody in the company. Obviously, you've got uh, Demo Day coming up. You've had 18 companies now in the accelerator. Where does this go from here? What, what's the future hold? So I think the future will be looking for, you know, another cohort of startups for next year within these themes. So I think sustainability will probably become an even more important topic. We're open to whatever sort of innovative solutions in that space might be. One area where perhaps we haven't done as much is kind of the fintech side. You know, if you think about, you know, the financial services side, obviously you find in banking and, you know, fintech is, is a buzzword in Singapore. It's very strong. You have lots of sort of innovation happening in fintech. But it seems to be a different world from maritime. And of course, we have things like elimination of cash on ships and sort of in general, the insurance and, and risk management component, you know, things like cyber insurance, trade finance. I think there are lots of areas that related as it relates to shipping, where there is, you know, they're ripe for innovation using blockchain and, you know, lots of other things that could be used. So I think that might be one area where we could, you know, do a little bit more sort of connecting with the fintech side of the, of the innovation ecosystem globally and, and here in Singapore and, and see if we find some solutions in, in that space. That would be perhaps, you know, one additional component. The other thing worth mentioning is probably that, you know, it's, it's again sort of open collaboration, that we also work very closely with, you know, the Singapore MPA and they in turn work with other port authorities that, you know, the, the SSA here in Singapore and, and other global industry associations like the Small Maritime Network. So 
often we find that you know our startups might come out of those other incubators or accelerators or out of you know entrepreneur first or other programs so you know it's 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 going in both directions company from our accelerator might go somewhere else you know they might come from p71 and join our accelerator uh, but yeah th those are i think the things i can see for, for for the next cohort of the accelerator okay so that's a, that's an interesting sort of area to add on the fintech part and it sounds like there's a lot of cross-fertilization going on in the, the industry as a whole yeah absolutely that's true and i think singapore again is a as a location and is both a major shipping hub but also you know as a you know i think it's it's number two or so sometimes on the innovation side so singapore is great location to do that it's very much plugged into the global innovation ecosystem it's very easy to set up companies here. It's, you know, very clear sort of legal and regulatory framework. So lots of things that, you know, Singapore as a whole has going for it. And in addition to being, I guess, the second largest port or so, that makes it very attractive for startups, even if they're coming not from Singapore, to, to come here and work here and then potentially relocate to Singapore as well. Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a great vibrant location. Just as take an example we've got somebody you know who's listening into this who thinks they've got a brilliant idea for something for a startup in shipping what should they do how do they get from taking that idea into something like ending up in an accelerator like you have yourselves one thing is to think about a founder team is one of the thoughts that comes to mind is you know you often find particular sort of in shipping so we have companies that have a team that has nice complementary skills. So there might be somebody with a maritime background, there might be somebody you know, with a deep technology background, which might not perhaps come from the shipping uh, industry, others with you know, a marketing background. Uh, so it's, it's interesting to have you know, the right team in place of you know, multiple co-founders or the early members of the team that has skills that complement each other. I think that's one thing. Then think about sort of stages how can you get to an early prototype because that's usually helpful to get into programs if you have something more than you know just an idea although that's also possible we also had examples like that so i think you know at the end of the day the team and the people that you work with their background the enthusiasm you know the chemistry between the team members it's not all about technology although it's you know it is about technology it's you know the human element that's really important as well so it's a mix of basically ideas, people, and technology. Yes, that's the best way to describe it, actually. I agree. Okay, uh, great. That's uh, interesting to know what what you're kind of looking for and uh, what's required uh, to get into a startup and you know, start making a go of things. Anyone who out there with a great idea, sure, Klaus would love to hear from you. Thank you very much for your time this afternoon, Klaus. My pleasure. Really nice talking to you. Take care for now.